1: Andrew McCarthy running for Congress out of New York State, and I was supposed to, it's 4 p.m. now for all future listeners, today's Friday, February 18th, 2022, 4.06 p.m. Eastern Time. I was supposed to have on, anyone that listens to this podcast knows Dr. Alexander, Dr. Hodkinson, uh, the two Canadian firecrackers, and I was supposed to have them on an hour ago, and they ghosted me, which is not like them, and I checked the news, and apparently the police in Ottawa are shattering windows of the big rigs and pulling people out and arresting them. So on that note, let's uh, get into the importance of the Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment and the power of the people. Mr. McCarthy, introduce yourself.
0: So I'm running for Congress in New York's 24th, uh, which actually shares a border with Canada. All of this is sort of aligning at a really, really weird time to be on this podcast. Uh, Share a sure border with Canada. We we just got a new map, so it covers all the way from Buffalo to Watertown, which is the entire uh, the entire circumference of Lake Erie. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, a little bit about me originally from Western New York, small town, uh, grew up in a, you know, middle-class working family, uh, and sort of what inspired me to run for Congress is what's been happening to Western New York and central New York. If you've never been there, it's more like the Midwest than it is New York City. Yeah. So New York state is not all, uh, is not, is not just New York city. And, uh, and we have a middle class and a working class up there that was really hit pretty hard from NAFTA. Uh, now, the societal effects of, you know, globalism and, and a trade deal like that sort of shells out a lot of periphery aspects of, of your town, of your culture, of your society. So when a factory goes out of business, it, you know, the, the local bank goes out of business, uh, the 7-Eleven or the, you know, the, the mom and pop diner goes out of business and it, it's like a spiraling, you know, domino. So we've seen that happen over the last generation, maybe a little longer, maybe 25, 30 years or so. And, um, and the elected officials out of my area don't really, how should I say this politely? I don't have to be polite, I guess. They, they, they certainly don't represent their constituents' interests in Washington. What I mean by that is that they're a Republican. There's an R next to their name, but they're sort of Republican in name only is the, is the trendy term for it. Uh, they don't. They don't have a handle on any trade policy on any of the issues that I sort of let off with because they're not paid to do that. They uh, take a check and then they'll go to the Chamber of Commerce or any of the big trade, uh, you know, big big trade lobbyists, and uh, they'll sort of have their policy crafted by them. Uh, most of what comes out of their mouth has been pre-approved from K Street and the, the lobbying core of, of the swamp. And uh, I don't think whether they disassociate the effects that that has on their district or whether they're in on this conversation and, and totally don't care uh, isn't really my, I, I don't really have an interest in one of those two items, but I know that neither of them serve what, what our goals are as a community. So that's where I come into play. Um, a little bit about my bio, I'm an intelligence analyst by trade. I have a master's in trade policy, so I focus on some of these capital flows, trade flows, infrastructure, and um, supply chains. Some of these trendy words I, is what I've sort of been nerding out on for years now. Um, outside of that, I'm currently in a uh, reserve capacity in the military. We, we support a space mission. So uh, when elected, I'd be the first member of Space Force in Congress, thanks to President Trump. Uh, And it's pretty cool. So we could we could touch on all that stuff. We could touch on the region. I know you want to talk about Canada and and the bill rights. So. Why don't I give the floor back to you? I've, I've talked enough about me, but yeah, let's 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 dive into it, man.
1: Man, I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna say screw Canada, screw talking about Congress, Space Force, man. That's dude. That's that's <laughs> well, no, because I because what well, one thing I love is just kind of like right. We see in 1947 the creation of the the U.S. Air Force, separating from the U.S. Army Air Forces because we saw a need for it. Strategic Air Command, Curtis LeMay, you got to have the thing. You got to have the B 36, Operation Chrome Dome. I've interviewed Reaper pilots, Predator pilots, B 2 Spirit pilots. And, but as you see, right, you go to Cyber Command, Space Command, you can kind of see that separation again, 1947 happening again. And, you know, people poke fun at it because people hate Orange Man, but like Space Force was an inevitability. And has to happen. Yeah. has to happen.
0: And you organically brought up, um, the, the interlocutor there which is cyber cyber needs needs there needs to be a cyber force as well yeah. and there's there's obviously cyber force is within um, every intelligence agency every DoD department um, or every DoD uh, branch and um, there's cyber defenses on all the major you know bureaucratic uh, institutions in the executive branch in Congress whatever but we need to we need to spin off one more evolution that you're referring to Eric came out of army mm-hmm. space came out of uh, uh air and now we need to do cyber and set up our own separate branch for that
1: you have to do it and it's the only it's the only way to continue to keep the united states as a global hegemon you can't i mean again as harry truman said when he met with enrico fermi and the other manhattan project scientists two years after we dropped the a bomb was the the idea that a thermonuclear bomb could be created a thousand times stronger ten thousand times stronger and they said it's an evil thing. The meeting lasted seven minutes because Truman finished it by saying, can the Soviets do it? And they said in a couple of years, and He said, well, we have to do it. Even though it has a built-in policy of extermination, it truly, I mean, A-bombs are one thing, thermonuclear bombs, that's a, a whole nother bag of whatever. Yep. But you have to stay ahead of it. Same thing with supersonic <clears throat> flight. Same thing with sending up the X-15. Same thing with walking, on, I've interviewed Charlie Duke, the 10th man to walk on the moon. You have to push forward all the way You can't bank on someone else not. So when something comes along, even with bioweapons research, I mean, who did we bring back? I know we're ranting now, but who did we bring back from World War II? Aside from Operation Paperclip, we brought back the guys from Unit 731, the Japanese things. Yeah. Who do we have? I've I've interviewed Ken Alabek, who is the head of the Soviet bioweapons program, defected to the United States in 92. As we're seeing with COVID, hey, man, it is another frontier. So my logic is this. The next high ground, well, it originally was the high ground, right? Sputnik, and that's led to the creation of NASA spun out of DARPA. It is the it is the new, it's going to be less of a geosynchronous satellite thing. It's, it's going to be more and more X-37Bs going up there manipulating. It is the next battleground, whether it's kinetic strike from orbit, rods from God, or whether it's just EMP blasts. And then, as you said, kind of just might as well just go out and get ahead of that one as well. You have to have an entire cyber. You can't just have a little intelligence here, a little intelligence there, right? You've got mm-hmm. the OSS. You have to create the CIA for all of its flaws. You have to have a centralized thing where that is, that is its mission. So I know I'm kind of, you. I mean, as you can tell, you just no, you, you just hit a nerve, but like in no, a good, no, no, in no, a no, good no. way. This,
0: this is good because you, you you touched on a couple things that I sure. want to double back on. And, and um, I guess the first one would be, um, what's going on in, in space and what you're alluding to? I think the other thing that we need to focus on is is China's um, interest in the moon is, is is sort of alarming. I would say, and, yeah. and they 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 frame it, and this is everything China, right? It's doublespeak. They frame it as one thing, but their intentions are another. They frame it as a, a mission for R and D and a. Um, like a reach for minerals and in rare, rare earth elements, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, But, but it's, it's totally, there's always a a dual use with that. and there's always a military, military aligned intention. So there, we got to, and I think that's almost entirely kinetic, right? Because you can do so much from all the, from low earth orbit, from, from, you know, from all the different levels in space on a connectivity basis, but, the, the geographical implications of, of what they're doing would tell me that it's probably kinetic. Mm-hmm. So, and we don't have, you know, a lot of intelligence on that. The other thing you brought up that I want to double back on is, uh, or we sort of left out, is, is hypersonics. So, oh, so yeah. you we're know, really concerning that we're behind the curve with China there. Um, and I mean, that is, that's when you, that's like the... To me, that that's as important as like as like the the A bomb or or, or yeah. you know like you know any, anything like that because it takes the kinetic and strategic aspects of planning for war and it throws out the baby with the bathwater. Like you could you can we could talk South China Sea all day long in, in, in traditional terms of of, of um, you know military posturing, force posture. Um, you know, talking about the PLA, and, and it, it's all out the window if DC is gone, or if or if Seattle's gone, or whatever whatever they want to take out at, at that time. And with a hypersonic, I mean, we've, this is all public information. We've seen the videos. It's it's extremely intimidating and concerning. And that that to me, I would say cyber, and, and it's like three prongs: space, cyber, and hypersonics. We have to be ahead of the curve on whether whether someone agrees with the plus one fallacy or or um, sort of whether all this future speak is good for society, entirely different. I think you, I think you sort of touched on that too. It's like might not be your cup of tea, but we have to be ahead of the, the competition. And uh, I think Russia and China, I don't even like uh, bringing them into the same conversation in terms of near peer competitors, because I used you, you sort of sound like swamp friendly when you, when you make Russia out to be bigger than they are, but there's one area that they certainly are. And that's uh, cyber because, and for two different reasons, China has its PLA lined up with, you know, tens of thousands of people working the mission. Whereas Russia does a great job of bringing in contractors, bringing in hackers um, from from different, you know, like I guess Soviet satellite countries. They're not always Russian. Could be Belarusian, you know, the uh, Ukrainian. They're 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 all over. Um, you know, the former USSR states, and and Russia does a really good job of incorporating resiliency and sort of a network into their network of these um, non-traditional nontraditional uh, state actors. Uh, but no, so so a little bit of everything. Sorry to just nerd out on the audience. No, dude, there, but, no,
1: no, dude. <laughs> screw the audience. They can they can they can, they can get the fuck out of here. No, we're talking. We're, we're mm-hmm. going in space force now. This is no cool. This is the good stuff. Yeah, no, no. We'll Very we'll cool. talk about Congress another time. No, but it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but seriously, no. It is because I mean, what it to me, what it is is it's the destabilization factor of what hypersonics are. Right, that was we get the leg up with the A bomb, and now we no longer need tank columns to go against. The Soviet Union, and then they get the A bomb, and then it's like all right, the mad rush for the you know deliverable from orbit. But once you get that, and as as evil as 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 global thermonuclear war is, there is a wildly stabilizing aspect to it. It's mutual assured destruction. There was no no one ever no one ever has this conversation. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, but I say this is like it is it is a, I mean, it's statistically, a positive thing if you look at the gross number and percentage of deaths of humans per from war per year. It starts going down on August 9th, 1945. Now, we've still had Korea, Vietnam, not just ours. We've had other nations. The Soviets were in Afghanistan. We just got out. All these things still go, still go on. But we've had this sort of, we've all had guns to each other's heads. And we've been bickering. We've been kicking each other in the balls and scratching each other's fingers. And, you know, I take one of your nuggets and you take my french fry. But no one ever goes balls out because theres we've all got a revolver to each other's heads. When you get... I mean, granted, ICBMs are hypersonic, but it's it's a parabolic trajectory. Hypersonic glide vehicles, that completely, that negates everything. If they punch a hole through some, you know, some U.S. carrier or some carrier strike group, and we go, there's no way to stop that because of all of our stuff is based on cruise missiles and anti-ship missiles, we're going to have no other option but to escalate immediately. Because it's just, you can't... You can't not strike back. You can't. You can't be a bitch. So if China does something like that in the South China Sea, and we don't have a hypersonic to return, well, we're just going to immediately go back to some Curtis Lemay energy and just be like, screw it. Here's some thermonuclears from orbit, and then we're all sitting. Not not you and you and me are dead. Well, if you get in Congress, you might survive. But you're all going to be sitting in NORAD going, had that happen.
0: I, I, I hear. I got to push back on that. I disagree. <laughs> I think it's Middle America's going to get the last laugh because they're going to be fine congress is the first to go with hypers that's what's that's what's scary about like uh, uh hypersonics is that they're not going to go for and you mentioned like carriers oh, I, I meant right? global
1: yeah. thermonuclear i mean if you're right oh, oh, okay sure, sure, hey, sure that's sure. what i was so talking i'm, I'm saying oh, no that's yeah. we would have to sorry that's what i mean is like if they did strike us and they gave us a black guy with hypersonics and we don't have a hypersonic to return we're not going to take it laying down so for better or
0: worse
1: we're going to die if you shoot me with the BB gun and I don't have a BB gun but I have a shotgun I can't look weak so now I'm going to kill you and it's like dude he shot you with a BB gun and you just shot him with a shotgun but that's what we're going to do if we can't if we can't return with whatever it's the Dongfang missile we're just going to send over a couple of thermonuclear warheads a couple of Mark 83s and and now we're all going how did that happen
0: sorry but no, no 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 that is that because what other trajectory would there be? Like, you what can't. what other options are there? And it's like it's almost like you said you're you're so behind the curve in one element of the battle that we're like, hey, we still have this, but we, we got to go balls to the wall here because we we got to prove that we're not taking this lying down. But totally nailed it. I think I think what all three conversations of cyber space and um hypersonics. and hypersonics, yeah, kind of kind of alludes to is that, and you're seeing this happen with like. I'm um, trying to think in like the private sector, like Elon Musk and what he's doing with um, with with his you know investment in space is going smaller, cheaper, faster. And you could take a you mentioned carriers, like we, we don't need air force carriers to we don't need to be pumping these things out once a year. I mean, we're good on like twenty to one, uh, I think, against Russia or whatever, whatever the number is. But the point we have like zero frigates, so it's like what you know, China knows that in the South China Sea, if we do want to talk like traditional kinetic activity, they're smaller and faster and they need to catch up in, you know, submarines uh, uh, compared to comparatively to Australia, Japan or Australia. Um, but, but, the, but in frigates, it's like they have, like, you know, a couple hundred, whatever it might be. And they have their ship count is certainly higher than us across the board. And including if you lumped in uh, one of our smaller allies, the ship count is crazy because they know they're, that they're up against the entire West and all the, all the, IC treaties that we have. So I think they know that um, you, you don't have to be the biggest guy in the block. You have to be smartest, fastest, sort of the leanest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, there's sort of been an established ceiling. It's like, we all have like, we all have these like, und- I mean, I've interviewed some of the guys, but like we all have these nuclear subs that are out and they're invisible and they can sit up, they can come up from under the Arctic ice two months later and they can waste your nation. So we've kind of like established this ceiling that no one's going to go global thermonuclear. Not even the defense contractors. There's no money to be made there. There's no money. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, hey man, we we can keep milking the game, but the game has to exist in order for us to keep going, right?
0: How are you gonna How are you gonna remodel your kitchen, in McLean, Virginia, if if, if there's no more war? It's like
1: the Joker doesn't want to kill Batman. You got to have it go, and you got to keep the. But, but regardless, is so I look at that. And then that makes me think of, I think there's one more that maybe might fall into to cyber, but I've interviewed Brigadier General Robert Spalding, who wrote the book Stealth War. Uh, he was on Obama's National Security Council. He was a, a one-star general, flew B2 Spirits. Um, <clears throat> but His whole thing is about China's Bolton Road Initiative and everything you're talking about right now, which is just China being smaller, faster, doing different things. I brought it up with him, and that was episode 160. This is episode 712, so it's, it's been a minute. But one thing I think of is it almost seems like the internet's the one thing, and I know this sounds like such a boomer talking point, but it's like the internet's the one thing that saturates it all, right? Whether it's not necessarily about who has hypersonics or who has missiles or who has satellites, it's the, the sea of ones and zeros that exists in its own dimension how do you dominate that you can only have so many human minds working on it what did they used to call the original guys that would calculate the artillery tables they called them computers because they would compute so what do we do to actually get the thermonuclear war uh, the thermonuclear bomb created ENIAC and MANIAC actual computers and that's how we we were able to calculate the 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 secondary and tertiary generations of reactions to, to create fusion so the point of me saying all of that is is Above space force and hypersonics, it might almost be if you establish quantum supremacy. I knew you were going to go yeah, down this right, Yeah, 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 and- yeah. Beautiful. So it's, right. it's, that's the downwards waterfall. You might be able to fix that. And fi- It's like when you fix like the core of your life, when you get a steady sleep schedule, when you hit the gym and you shower, shave, do some meditation, everything else slowly kind of starts to fall in line right very weird how that works yes. yeah what are your thoughts on that and is that kind of beyond the sc- actually i guess we've already started so we got to go, we got to take this to the f degree quantum holes, yeah, yeah. we we've, we've already started 99% of so, people have clicked out screw them i don't care
0: yeah so, so so um you're entirely right you framed it perfectly i think that they don't need it just for offensive capabilities though china's china's you know i don't know what the number would be off the cuff right ringing on maybe a million people a month online so they need it from to preserve their domestic control system yeah. their their and, and and preserve what they have internally i mean they i think that's the biggest threat that china's facing is this overwhelming population that's becoming wealthier more informed they're traveling they 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 have done a great job and i don't defend this system but they've done a great job of um Organizing and maintaining control, and at the same time opening up, and they and we've seen that economically. And now, now, are they killing millions of people in western China? Is there a slaughter there? Absolutely, not betting that. But it's it's pretty impressive that they still maintain so much control over their internet, over their population, their data, um, their data capability and data management has to be way more impressive than the U. I mean, it's it's not even close. So yeah, quantum would be the next natural step. And um, and we know that they're working on that, right? So it, it's it's crazy, man. We we kind of we kind of jumped right in and black-pilled everyone right off the bat here. But yeah, but but I'm we'll, we'll put quantum computing to bed if that's
1: okay. Yeah, but no, 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 no. I, I I don't. Get, there's no such thing. I call. It, as I always say there's no such thing as black pills. They're just really dark red pills. They're like ruby red black pill, ruby red red pills. But no, it right. is and it could even come from another form right i mean we do the manhattan project for the explicit purpose of of nuking the japanese and you know germans if we had it earlier but imagine that imagine you didn't get the a-bomb from that imagine if it was during peacetime and we just had let's say we had 1.3 billion people we just had to have this energy thing and we we're like hey we have this idea for uh whoever it was that did the first nuclear pile in chicago and they're like hey we could create nuclear energy and then maybe they're out in Nevada and all of a sudden they they see they double flash and they're like, what the fuck was that? And all of a sudden it's, now we've got an A-bomb. China might be looking at, like you said, not defending it, but you have to respect your enemy. They have an insane ability to keep 1.3, whatever they're at now, 1.4 billion people on lockdown while right. also participating on the – not participating, competing – on the on the global scale north korea okay they keep everyone on lockdown but they you know they can barely produce potatoes and wooden wheels so it's like it's a trade off china is keeping their people on lockdown and they're showing up with their a game every day and giving us a black eye if that thing if they have to build bigger and bigger computing to keep their people down it might they might create the a bomb inadvertently and then have it if that analogy makes sense
0: it does. And the other thing is they're exporting that ideology along the, the aforementioned Belt and Road that you were talking about. So as you go to do a trade deal with them or a development deal or, or, or if it's simply aid, you have they're exporting that ideology that, hey, look, we're going to lead off with the fact that we were once a second world developing nation just like you, Uganda. We'll just use a country you know along the BRI. Actually, they took they, they, out quite a bit. There's multi-billions invested in Uganda. Uh, rail system, they're, uh, we call it the, um, uh, I forget, but anyways, uh, yeah, when you go there, they essentially say you're, we can teach you how to go from shit to sugar and, and it, tar- it starts with control. So when they build out these telecom networks, mm-hmm. There's always these inherent, they're not bugs, they're not flaws, they're they're inherent that you need to control your people, you need to control the data. Data is the, it will take you from where you are to where you need to be. Um, Also, if you take out our loans, we are going to spy on you, so we have data on your country as well. Uh, And any infrastructure project, they like to lump in together. So if it's traditional infrastructure, road, uh, bridges, highways, uh, rail is very popular for China, and ports. Uh, those are going to be aligned with all that Huawei technology and all of that, uh, all those essentially, um, you know, it's open spying. China's going to keep your data. And they just built, um, uh, the African, um, I what that building was called in, in, um, I think it was in Kenya. It was it was totally outlined with, uh, with, with bugs all over it in terms of their, their capability to spy on data. So I think China. Also, is is hedging their bet by saying if we can teach enough countries that this is the way to go, there will be no clampdown, and the 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 reverberations, sort of the echo that we will produce back onto the country, is that actually no, you guys are impressed this is the right way to do things. You're, we're we're getting external feedback saying that, well, uh, you know, this country is is. It is an admiration of us, so so even even the domestic populace within China would just say, you know sounds like sounds like every everything we touch turns to gold, so um how bad is it really? and that would stop them from necessarily blocking the system or or um I guess becoming too free. It sounds sad to say, uh, and it's just very like inorganic as an American that uh, it's just an uncomfortable feeling, uh, but they're very they're very Orwellian by nature and, and by design, and it might just work is the scary part, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can tell whenever I have on the doctors when we talk about vaccine mandates and censorship or whenever I start yelling about China is when my face starts to turn red. So that's it's that's just that's the indicator. Uh, You can mute the episode and you know what it's about. But yeah, no, I mean, with the Belt and Road Initiative going in, building all this shit, not just the backbones that they can tap into, but also showing them, you know, here's how do you want to uh, clamp down on your population? This is how you do it. I mean, was it Iran or was it Syria that during the Arab Spring, they were one of the only nations that they didn't shut off the internet. I was, I just finished this book called Black Code and it was about, it was about how, I mean, I remember the Arab Spring and I remember, you know, they're using all these different ways, this kind of uh, asymmetric, asymmetric warfare, the rebels using Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. But one, I can't remember who it was, Syria, Iran, whatever. Uh, We'll just say it's Iran. Um, They didn't shut it off. Because, and that's, and that's how they, and they were one of the only ones that weren't completely screwed over. I don't think it was Iran, but we're just going to use that as a placeholder. They left it on, and they put the hand in the glove, and they were able to track everyone. Watch it, you know, the best way to, the best way to beat the opposition is to lead it yourself. Mm -hmm. They tracked all of it, and they cut it off, and then they evolved, whereas other nations start to crumble like Egypt. That's what I think might be going on is China might be doing that. They might be showing these African nations build all the stuff. We're going to build the highways, the whatever, the, you know, warm water port. We're going to park our frigates there. If, you know, you can't pay back the loans, don't worry about it. They might be showing them that it's kind of come to the dark side.
0: Yeah. And I think you don't have to do, you don't have to twist their arm much. I mean, most of these nations that they're doing most second, um, you know, call them second world nations are are run by corrupt governance so or dictators outright so you don't don't have to twist the arm much um now competing in the sort of like man it it sounds it sounds like just very um boomers the word but like you know i guess traditional like neocon language to compete in the marketplace of of ideals or ideology here and win out against what china's brand is and brand america is it's it's something that you still have to do, and we're doing a terrible job of it. Yeah. Because when when they, when they do a brand for brand comparison, we'll just we'll use that uh, that analogy. China likes to say, and China China is great with disinformation and misinformation. When they when they exploit something like a BLM protest or if a cop shoots someone, they'll just blow it up and say, "You got to see how bad it is in America. You can't too much freedom is a terrible thing. Look, they don't even know how to manage themselves. They can't handle themselves. So their their intelligence." Uh, abilities and capabilities and agencies always exploit domestic stuff over here. The, the Persians do it, the Chinese do it, the Russians do it. Uh, they do a great job of basically putting the mirror back on us and then obviously, you know, revving that up. So I think part of selling China is bashing America and that's that's put in a basket everywhere we go. And they're doing a great job. I mean, we got to get better at, at you know, I, I don't know if it's through... Corporate entities or the State Department certainly, DoD's done a terrible job for imaging uh, or for branding purposes. We we need to repackage uh, almost in like you know, and, and I think Trump did a great job of this because it was always on a bilateral level. I think what we're experiencing here from globalism is that m- multilateral um, exchanges don't benefit; it's, they don't just benefit the U.S. domestic or, or, or take away from the U.S. domestically, but they also don't help us on the global stage. Because like, like the UN, sort of a joke, it doesn't—it's not doesn't work to our advantage. Um, but Trump went in there and was like, "Hey, we're going to do this. Just me and you, Japan, or just me and you, Israel, or just me." And, and when you have the the one-on-one conversation, first off, I think it creates more of a natural, a fair playing ground. Naturally, when you have when you have something like a multilateral trade agreement, well, like um, the one that Obama wanted and Trump got out of uh, in, in Southeast Asia. Um, it, it's, it's not fair to us, but at the same time, it's like when there's five different, 20 different countries having this conversation across the room, no one's really hearing, no one's really hearing anything. It's just sort of everyone's stating their claim and then a contract gets signed. Whereas I think the Trump administration shut that down and said, globalism, uh, no, thanks. We're going to do, you know, it's got to be America first. America first is the boilerplate, right, by design. And we're going to look at, start inspecting all of one of these agreements individually. And then when you take a look at a multilateral deal like like uh, USMCA um, and redefining what that relationship was that, that NAFTA had us in, it, it's a good example of him being like, it's only going to benefit the U.S. And when when we do something like this, if we're doing anything more than a bilateral deal, America sets the terms, right? And then we can figure out from there everything else. But once you start to, it's, again, the plus one fallacy. Once you start to rope in 5, 10, 15 countries, you, how could that possibly? There there has to be a level of self-preservation where we're taking care of America. So I don't think that happens uh, globally. I think most of these, um, these institutions, which is a more neocon language, is um, – they're kind of a joke. Like the UN is is becoming or has been a joke. Nothing really gets solved there. We're seeing flaws in NATO, especially now, um, and that's sort of a more complex conversation. But even before what kicked off in the past few weeks, Trump exposed that too, uh, just on the funding aspect of NATO. How big of a joke that is? You're seeing countries within the EU tell them that that the EU is a joke. You know, it's not just Brexit. It's happening in Spain. You're having pushback in Poland. You're having push back uh, across Europe on global governance. And it doesn't, it, because it's ineffective. And, and there's, what you're trying to do is say that everything is the same, right? That one country is as good or as bad as another country and that uh, citizenship within the EU are all the same, right? Polls are no different than people from, from uh, the UK. And I think you're, this is a tough one for some people, but it should be just fine for your audience. Um, some cultures are better than other cultures. That's okay to say. Yeah. Um, and, and it's and, but but you're told that's not okay to say yeah. and 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 that and that some political philosophies are better than others um, if if we get scared to have that conversation then you will see China surpass us because they they will that ideology will take over the world and, and I mean there's there's nothing that really pisses me off more than than communism itself so uh that that would be a scary place in terms of um you know I guess the 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 snowball effect of globalism and where that could take us. Uh, we got to start looking inward and, and rebranding and restructuring um, some of these relationships we have on, on a. If we want to be the global leader, and if, I think we should just we should keep persecuting these these uh, neocon terms because it's like we have to use their language. Yeah. There are other options here, but you if you find the rhetoric embedded in ingrained in your language because it's like if you've ever studied this stuff, if you ever have to work on it, you're like. Like the, like the global community what is this yeah it all
1: you're, you know what i mean got, yeah you're inadvertently just quoting like cheney and rumsfeld it's, you're like listen guys with the unknown unknowns it's a long hard slog and it's like the, you just look in the mirror you're like what have i become but Who like am I? yeah you're like jesus god um but no it's the kind of you know i've interviewed uh, uh david hoffman before author of dead hand and another book uh the billion dollar spy it's all about Cold war but his point was he had a great point in it that kind of i think had nothing to do with the rest of the book but kind of superseded it and it was kind of like we talked about earlier you know china having to play on the global scale as well as keep everything at home beaten down the soviet union tried and they, they did well they, they tried to do that forever but then there are these sort of limitations like um the guy in the book i can never. i think it was oleg um stole a bunch of secrets about like the MiG so that we could design the F-16 so it surpass it. But the point is is like there was only so many things he could do like even as like an intelligence officer because like they weren't allowed to have more than x rolls of of film because they're like, "Well, what other pictures are you going to take even though you're a KGB agent?" You could never have that would never give you too much money because what if you started abusing it and who knows what you're piecing together? Are you piecing together a radio to listen from America? So you would have all these things and what Hoffman calls, and granted he has a book called The Dead Hand, which has nothing to do with this, but he called it the hidden hand, you know, kind of like the invisible hand of the market. But he called it, and I think he should write a book on it, he called it like the hidden hand of, of communism. And what it was was when Oleg went and met with like a CIA station chief, they're telling him, they're like, dude, like you're being tailed. Like, you know, we're barely giving you enough money. We're not even promising you like, we're not even promising you exfil. He's like, what you're doing is dangerous. And he looked at them and said, all I want to do is hurt the Soviet Union. And it's because his parents were killed in gulags. His 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 wife's parents were, I think they spent 20 years in gulags and they got out, but they were just terribly abused and crippled. You have this hidden hand of a dictatorship where... Ultimately, you have this guy that's like, I don't even care about the money, man. Like, I don't, I don't, just hard ass. And eventually was caught and executed. Like, eventually was caught and executed. But the point is this, is that is our strength. Is China a formidable foe? The Soviet Union, a formidable foe? They always were clamping down on their own people to where when push came to shove and it was, you know, which way do we give the coin toss to? People are always going, I will chop off my nuts to run out of this country and run into America. If we don't continue to make America so great that you have that, and not even in just some propaganda, you're like, you know, oh, red, white, and blue. No, no. I mean, but if it's generally still not the best place to go, and not even for some idyllic, not even I, just like, hey, you can go make a killing. You can go have the home home in Hollywood. like You can do it. If we don't have that, then it's only a matter of time before China surpasses us because ultimately it will come down to who's wielding the biggest stick. And we have it now, but, you know, Great Britain, no one even pays attention to them, but they used to be the law of the land, right? The the sun never sets on the British Empire. Who's even, you know, who's even talks about the Ottoman Empire anymore? We are, you know, we're big dick energy now, man, but we're going to be a relic in the past eventually unless we can keep that thing, the hidden hand of, people wanting to escape totalitarian Italian regimes. You're always going to have someone high up in the Chinese intelligence who's just thinking like quietly, like, dude, if I ever get a chance, I'm running the fuck out of here with my kids. We're going to New York city. We're going to change our names and we're going to, you have to have that. And if we don't preserve that and grow that year, then it's just China's for the taking.
0: Sorry for so that. You, no, 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 no. That was beautiful. So uh, in terms of the Soviet example, I, I was telling someone the other day, we're not going to do it with blue jeans. We got, we need new blue jeans. Like, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. A, who, who wants to be American and why right now? Not a conversation that we're having enough of, um, including domestically. But um, because there's that too, right? We're, we're China's not just dealing with that. America's dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Like, it needs to be cool and sought after and in. You know, it needs to be number one to be American again. Yeah. And people like there's a lot of hatred internally for the country, which is very bizarre. Again, it's it's inorganic. That's that's by design. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to because then globalism to the rescue right we could be a global community you don't have to love america necessarily you know what i mean all the, yeah. all this stuff and it's just and by the way don't clip that up if you're a clipper out there because it looks like i'm just i'm, I'm a pope brother no the
1: tell country. them to tell them to clip it they're eventually gonna have to come back and watch the full episode i don't give a shit there you go perfect perfect
0: so um but no no um we need to. We need to as a brand, as an ideology, as a culture, as a people. We and you can't even really say that anymore as a people. Like people get offended by that. Yeah. Um, so I think the sensibilities need to be thrown out. I think um, just this, you know, cancel culture doesn't help the situation. But it seems like whenever someone wants to have a, a conversation like this on a on a like a bigger platform, whether it's in con- like the the floor, floors of Congress or whether it's. Um, like on a bit of big tech capacity, whatever it might be. um, It's like we forgot that individualism is cool, that like being yourself is cool. And that like in America, you could you could anyone could do that at any time and you could create your own America. You know what I mean? Like uh, and there's and that's in, in, in Russia and China are starting to say, hey, we told you so. You, you know, this empire could only last so long. They're sort of too free. They're, they, they're bizarre and crazy people. is how they would like to label, you know, freedom generally. And just in, in what, you, what you let off, one of your first things out of your mouth today, the Bill of Rights, what it means to be an in, a sovereign individual. Um, and I think that they're saying, in part of the branding is that it's not just globalism, but um, government can be the, the solution. You, you're part of something bigger. I know that that's, China's doing a great job with that right now. They're taking traditional... Um, ancient Chinese ideology confusing Mm -hmm. that with with Confucian thought and then and then amalgamating that into what they are China 2022 you know what I mean like and and saying no 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 this is the same China that we had a a millennia ago we know that's not that's that's not true though I mean obviously but um and and there's not a whole lot different from a monarchical relationship uh in medieval England or or a thousand years ago in China that's more similar than say China a thousand years ago in China Hey, obviously but um, they're doing a great, they keep up with branding, man. And we sound like, we sound like we're like PR professionals, but that's what this is. Like China's, China's maintaining China being cool with their name. Yeah. We're not doing a good job. At, we're, we are upside down right now with being proud to be an American. It's like a bizarre, that's like going out of step. Like that's antiquated. Um, and it's just, it's just bizarre. I can't, you know, I don't, I, I can't pretend to offer an answer, but in terms of my capacity as running or, or legislation or something, it's, it's just Pushing back on globalism, pushing back on big tech. We've seen it. Big Pharma has been the argument for the last two years. Like, I don't really want to put that in my body. Mm -hmm. Why are you making making me put that in my body? It seems like you have another, you know, sort of something else in mind. That's that's why I was permanently banned from YouTube was for interviewing. You're kidding.
1: I've had on Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough. I'll pat myself on the back several times before Rogan ever had him on. But that's why I got permanently banned was they were talking about like, hey, man, you maybe don't need it. The inventor was like, "Hey, I have it," and for some people, it is helpful, but maybe not for everyone. And you know, YouTube was like up against the wall, you know,
0: because you said maybe. You said maybe it's not like like that's that's so casual. And I mean, your intentions were just to do an interview, but I mean, their intentions are are laser focused. That that you they the self preservation to use that to borrow that term from earlier, like is. Is nowhere better defined than it is in Big Pharma. Um, Big Pharma's intentions are not to create a healthier populace. Health is obviously has nothing to do with medications or drugs. You sort of outlined that earlier when you're talking about, hey, get up, meditate, pray, do whatever you do, read. You should be, you know, first thing in, first thing out. Before you go to bed, you should be reading. When you get up, you should be reading, meditating a cleaner, a cleaner lifestyle away from stuff like not to just, you know, it's kind of funny because the memory around it, but no seed oils, like all of the stuff that's pushed on us is by, by, by big corporations, by big business and sort of like big lifestyle. If you include like tech and pharma and, and, you know, multinational corporations, I don't think we have a concept of what health is anymore um, it's more resilient than going to see your doctor when there's an emergency and getting a prescription for an SSRI. Mm-hmm. I you have a fully dependent culture on you no, know, feed me this, feed me this. I need a solution now, I need it now, I need it now, I need Adderall, whatever that, whatever they're dependent on. It's not fruits and vegetables and stretching and, and lifting weights, which yeah. I mean, like just what we've been doing as as mammals and humans for millennia, right? Um where did this go? This used to be like common sense that you just take care of your body in a certain way. And you're supposed to avoid the doctors like pay, pay the farmer now or pay the doctor later. We'll get you banned from YouTube because it's too like common sense is, is is defined nowadays. It's prescribed to us, no pun intended. Um, and, and you, these just used to be very sensible things, which is crazy because when we go have the conversations on the campaign trail, people are like, wow, you don't, know, you're not, uh, you're not talking about some of the, the other issues that, that congressional uh, candidates are talking about. You're talking about health. I'm like, how do we not see that health has been the biggest issue the last two years? Like we've been locked down because we were told that we were unhealthy and that and that we needed to do this to stay healthy. And we're, we've only gotten sicker and fatter and unfortunately kind of dumber. I don't mean to be mean here, but that's sort of true. I mean, we, we also got locked down ideologically. We, we made a scared populace, a scared citizenry, which is very un-American. Uh, and I mean, we, we were supposed to be, like you said earlier, we supposed to be balls and wall of America. We're not yeah. scared of viruses. We're not scared of things we can't see, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it is what it is, man. They, they totally redefine what mental health is, what, what, what traditional physical health is, and what you put in your body is what you're going to get out of. We, we can't, if it's, and if it's foreign uh, vaccines... Guess what you're going to get out of it? Probably some mutations, some problems, some some health risks down the line. Can't have that conversation anymore. So.
1: To me, it's you kind of have to focus on just, again, it's that core. You know, when I was in college, graduated in 2013, I was a 4.0 student. Uh, I would barely drink. I would wake up every day, work out, meditate, cold shower, study all day, and, you know, worked my ass off through all of it. After I lost my brother in 2014, I kind of went on like a self-demolition spiral for a couple of years. Moved home in 2016 because I was suicidal, kind of pieced my life back together. 2019 started the podcast and very quickly was like, oh, I kind of need to like, I got to be focused for guests. I can't be, you know, you can't be sleepy. You can't be like, oh, like I got to sleep eight hours. I got to go to the gym. You got to meditate. Your head's got to be clear. You got to be up to date on things. You got to always be reading. And it's sort of as I tried to build the podcast, it's it's made me a better person to where now I have this core thing where six days a week, I wake up, immediately go to the gym, do a mile, lift weights, come back, cold shower, meditate. Six days a week, I don't listen to podcasts or music. I listen to audiobooks, nonfiction audiobooks on 2x speed. Even if I can't get the author on, I, I'm just listening to a book anyway because I'm like, learn, soak The book I just mentioned, Black Code, that was, I finished that this morning. I can't get in touch with the author. It doesn't matter. Keep learning. But you keep doing these things and it does when you have this strong foundation and then once a week I'll get some beer and order some pizza and be a fat slob. But that also makes you start to crave the work ethic again. So it's, there's a system to it. But when you have that core foundation, it allows everything else to flourish. So it's not just some gary v tony robbins shit i'm saying i don't there's nothing there's no money for me to make saying this stuff it's a core it's a foundation that if you have the world around you your immediate life starts to flourish now take that and apply it to the country as a whole it's your own little thing it's okay to if you want to have long purple hair and 19 piercings and identify as a dragon god bless you like, Good. God fucking Good. bless you. If you want to be a clean-cut, Norman Rockwell-looking guy, God bless you. And if you want to do anything in between, that's what's great. Because when you have that freedom to do whatever you'd like and do it respectfully, and you can be the thing you want to be, the world around you starts to... Revert, and I know this sounds like some new-age hippie shit, but no, it starts to it starts to feed off of itself and become better. So the point of that whole rant is this. I lead by example and do what I want. When people say, Tommy, you go on these rants about how we got to save America, but you're not actually doing anything. I took that to heart. And that's why I started reaching out to people running for Congress. And I was like, what can I do in my little capacity? Mike Durant, the Black Hawk Down pilot, is running for Senate. He's not a doctor, but he's against vaccine mandates. Joe Kent, former special forces, Washington state, He's anti. he's anti-mandates. He's not a doctor. Mike Collins, second-generation trucker going out of Georgia, he's anti-mandates, he's not a doctor. What can Tommy do? I can put you in touch with doctors and do interviews with them. I've had McCullough and Durant together, I've had Malone and Kent together, I've had Collins and Dr. Hodkinson together, and they can have a discussion about why these mandates are bad from a medical standpoint. So when they are on the campaign trail and someone says, you're a truck driver, you're special forces, you're Mike Durant, Durant, the Black Hawk Down guy, what do you know about mandates? They can say, I'm not a doctor. But here's an interview with the inventor of the vaccine. So it's a little thing I can do. I can't say who, but on Tuesday, I'm having another one coming on together with a doctor. So if you do your little part, something can become better. And my logic is this, is in conclusion of my own rant, is... You said we can't have these discussions anymore. Might as well have the discussion and see, is it really not popular? Or is it just big tech censorship and a manipulation of, you know, is it manufactured consent? Maybe everyone comes towards it and goes, Yeah, it's it is okay to be American and love yourself. Or maybe the whole place really is just shot to shit and they all hate ourselves? Well then good. Let's stop wasting our times and just acknowledge it, and you can bend over for Daddy China. My logic is is like, let's stop with the foreplay. Let's see which way this is going. So just be proud of what you are. Love this place. Love to be different than one another. And I think as we saw with Trump and when the election was stolen from him, it is what everyone wants. God damn, I think I need to start my own campaign.
0: <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, you, you say you first off you do. You need we need to run you at some point. And also you say you lost your, you lost your brother, right? You said.
1: Yeah, in 2014, when I was
0: when I was 23, my 27 year old brother committed suicide. If you need another brother, I'm your brother, man. Everything Forget. that you just outlined was identical from from where from how you live your day and your views on once a week binges on pizza and a six pack or whatever, because it it re gears or restructures yeah. you. We we just don't need we just don't need this top down push to say eat McDonald's every day and and do whatever. But but I mean I can't put it as eloquently as you just did. But at the end of the day, it's like leave us the fuck alone. Yeah. Just, you know right? up. Just not, just this is and fuck not up. this is not this is not complicated. This is not complex. And that's the beauty of being American. It was just like, oh, you just put your head down and mind your own business and work your work your tail off on yourself, on your family, on your community. The rest falls into place. What you were describing is one domino goes down to the rest. If you're taking care of business, the rest will fall into place. We are so far removed from that. I don't know if we're shot to ship, but in my heart of heart, I don't believe that we are. So I'm running, but it will be an extinction level event to the point where if we can't get it together, there are other guys in the block that'll come in and say, we're running the show now. So I, I, I totally agree with everything you used. And by the way, Joe Ken, some of the guys you mentioned are, are like, we're just based Versions of each other from different parts of the yeah. country like Anthony Sabatini in Florida, me up there, Kent, you got them all over the place and you just named a couple couple good ones uh, that if we can get into Congress, we, it's not whether we can or can't, we will be having this conversation on a national level to say, here's the autopsy on what the hell the last Two years were, but probably deeper than that, what the last generations looked like under globalism, under the United States of globalism. And we need to figure out if we want to continue in that direction. So um, you and I know the answer to that. It's just about what we think we do. So it's just about making that case to the general public that uh, you got to take your country back.
1: Yeah. And it really, I think it's what it, I mean, it's almost kind of like asking the girl out, like, just do it. It might. She might say so, yes, and you get married and live happily ever. She might say no. Either way, stop wasting the time. So to me, it's exactly. like it's like love the country. Go out and say you love the country and why it's great to love the country. Maybe people come out of the woodworks and it really is big tech censorship. You go, oh, wait, everyone loves America.
0: Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe that, they're exactly. all
1: communists. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, then let's at least finish it cool, thanks for letting me know you're a communist, I'm going to take to the mountains now, like, I'm going to go become some weird gorilla guy that's living with beavers or some shit.
0: Which, but, which, by the way, I've always secretly wanted to do anyway, so it might just be like two birds with one stone anyways, saying. I just, I get to go be a Buddhist and live off salmon, that I, I fish saying. that day, that's
1: perfect. That's what I'm saying, is like, but either way, like, let's figure it out, and- I do believe it still is that way. I have two friends, Prince from Kosovo and uh, Ivan from Bulgaria. Both guys I worked with the, the about 10 years ago. They got their green cards. They came here. Ivan's now a professional bodybuilder living in Hollywood. He's making a living. Prince is now a physical therapist in New York, married. They're both the American dream. To me, it will continue to be replenished because there are people that still see America for what it is. You always hear people say, you know the more you travel the more you realize just how like not great america is and i'm like well let's take that one step further the guys who have traveled their whole lives living in uh, eastern europe they love this place more than anything so i'm not sure how well that logic holds up so i'm not convinced that the american dream is dead maybe i'm a doe maybe i've been drinking the kool-aid maybe i'm doe-eyed in which case reality will smack me i don't see why we can't still win this shit
0: i'm with you and here's the thing it's going to happen either way so when you go to ask the girl out in this conversation you're going to find out pretty soon if we're smoking crack like hunter biden or if the american dream is not dead. yeah so which whatever we figure out it's better than being scared and living in your pods and eating the Yeah. because i'm not doing that yeah no that's not on the menu no no no
1: no it is not and koshwap has not responded to any of my emails and neither has henry kissinger but you know but is that because the podcast is small is that because I'm a psycho listen we don't there's no we don't need it. I don't know but yeah man I'm i mean there's a reason why I I'm 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 having individuals like you on it's like I would love to be talking about you know did JFK fly in a UFO or some shit more than like that would be more fun but I'm not convinced this shit's over maybe it is but I'm not I'm not willing to just bend over and say I guess this is how it is now. Like, let's, let's fucking try. Dude, the fight yeah. we have is such a joke in comparison to the fight of World War II. Yeah, think about that
0: stuff more like the revolution.
1: We have I, you to know. post memes on Facebook and people say, oh, you're a right winger. And you go, duh, they don't Snapchat me anymore. What about getting a musket and charging against some fucking British guys or running up with MG42s blowing your buddies to bits? I'll do the right. podcast with the American flag. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw an American flag in the back and a lot of people that know that that's okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's my battle for the day and a bigger war, right? And the meme war and the in, yeah, in, in, in this joke about, it's a clown war for a clown world. Let's get our shit together. Yeah.
1: I know. Seriously. Honk, honk. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. No one's going to watch this episode. They're going to be like, dude, these two psychopaths just went on some red,
0: white. And-, and I don't care. I have to come back. This has been too much fun.
1: Yeah, dude. No, this was fun as fuck. I don't think we really got anything done in, in terms of like uh, what you're doing specifically. I'll I'll email you. We'll schedule one for like next week or something. We'll do an actual. Let's do it, man. We'll actually do Let's a do podcast. It. You started out with Space Force and we were just off to the races. So um, it was it was all it was all downhill after that. Fuck it. I, oh, I think it was up. I think it was beautiful. That's the one I like. I know if I'm ha- if my face is turning red, then it's a good one. So. Um, Very good. But, yeah. Well, no, I will email you. We will actually do a, something on, you know, everything going on in New York and Congress and pertinent issues because.
0: <laughs> well, and bring, bring me on with, with, with one of your, uh, your other candidates or doctors, whatever, whoever you think would be a good third, that's going to keep you and I on the rails here because you and I are just going to go back into you know, Alex Jones land unless we get a doctor or a candidate. On.
1: You know, I don't know because I've had on Joe Kent several times and every single time it devolves into mili- military industrial complex to the point yeah. where even I'll be like Joe is any of this pertinent to like you running from Washington I'll be like no no it's not yeah. but we'll be screaming about space force and the future of the military industrial complex and you know the the maintenance of empire and rare earth minerals and we'll have to bring it back down I'll be like <laughs> I'll be like so what are you doing about vaccine mandates I'll be like shit you're right and uh yeah, I, I, I
0: can't it's talk weird. about uh, I can't talk about rare earth elements in in, in China's uh, uh, pursuit of those in Chile anymore. I know for forty five. I know it's, 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 has nothing to do with my district.
1: I know I have Mike Durant on, and I end up asking him about like the Tic Tac UFO, and I'm like, Hey, would you like to fly that thing? And He's like, I think it looks pretty sick, and I'm like, We're not covering <laughs> anything on your Senate run right now, so who knows? Least- and I don't know, but no, we will do it. I'll set something up uh, if you want me to get doctors on. That'll take a little more time. So. We can, again, we can do do multiple ones, dude. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll get creative
0: with it. We'll think of like the perfect third person that's going to make sure we don't, we don't, that we actually do a podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Or send me your ideas and I'll try to piece it together if I don't have that third person. And um, yeah. Uh, So stay tuned. We will do a, (laughs) we will do a pertinent, relevant podcast. This one had to happen though. The Space Force had to happen. The hypersonics had to happen. Quantum supremacy. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) All right, man. Glad to have Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll email this to you when it's up. It'll be up later this evening. I'll email you. We'll set up more podcasts, try to get third person. And um, yeah, thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for your candid nature. And thank you for an hour of your time, my friend. Thank you for your support. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Fuck yeah, man. God bless America. Stay safe, everybody. Recording stopped. Peace.